3: it was an exciting weekend to say the least a big win for michigan 29 to 7 they move on to rutgers but there is a little bit of a cloud hanging over this past weekend we'll get a chance to discuss that as well as michigan's schedule now and in the future today on in the trenches welcome to the official podcast of michigan football in the trenches with john jansen presented by meyer presenting sponsor of the 2022 michigan football season and proud supporter of hundreds of local sports teams across the midwest the former two-time captain and national champion covers the wolverines
1: better than anyone
3: what's the coldest game that you've played in uh in your life
1: um before i got here yeah probably like 60 degrees (laughs) 55 degrees
3: this is In the Trenches, presented by Meyer. Once again, here's John Jansen. Welcome back, friends. And the 2023 Michigan football schedule was released last week. Right now is the time for you to secure your season tickets to enjoy the Wolverines' seven home games next season. And new this season, if you put down a deposit of $100 per seat, you can guarantee new season tickets. Head to mgoblue.com slash football season tickets to learn more. That's mgoblue.com slash football season tickets to be part of the greatest tradition in college football in 2023. This week on M-Go Blue Podcast, already out, Monday night radio replay of Inside Michigan football. My guests were Jim Harbaugh, Mike Elston, defensive line coach here at Michigan, and Chris Jenkins. Defend the block is all about Michigan basketball and hey both programs kick things off this weekend with their exhibition games Friday night for the men's Saturday for the women's still to come on Conquering Heroes tomorrow Thursday we're going to begin our coverage of the 2022 Hall of Honor class and our first two guests from the softball program Samantha Findlay and from women's swimming Jim Richardson longtime coach Two episodes on Friday are keys to the game edition of In the Trenches, along with a first post-game edition of Defend the Block this season. That is the exhibition with Ferris State for the men. And then Sunday morning, we're going to have post-game edition of In the Trenches available. That's going to be really late Saturday night, early Sunday morning, because it is a night game. I know everybody's excited about that in Piscataway, But as you probably guessed, we will talk about that in our 7 from 77. But before we get there, I'm going to bring in my partner, Mr. Brian Bush, the voice of Michigan basketball.
2: Yes, it's hard to believe the football season is already now. We're into November, the stretch run. Basketball is just about upon us. But I must say, when John Jansen teases any road game, normally it's just the school name. But when it's Rutgers... Oh, it's city only. Piscataway. It is a word that is easy to say to make you sound upset.
3: Yeah. Mainly because of
2: the first syllable.
3: Hey, I, yeah, it could very well be. <laughs> um anytime. Yeah, I'll I'll leave it. Yep. You well described it. Yes. Uh, but um there are 14 schools in the Big Ten. There are 13 campuses that are enjoyable to walk around at. That 14th happens to be in. Piscataway. What is 13th? 13th. Columbus? Yeah, Columbus just by default. Okay, I figured. Um, all right, yeah. Yeah. But anyway. no, it's 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 just it just doesn't fit amongst all the great campuses
2: in the Big 10. You know that Big 10 commercial where they span the yeah. United States where they're going to have to add the other half of the US here pretty soon, but mm-hmm. that last one for Rutgers where they sh- they showed the Statue of Liberty right next to the poop emoji? <laughs> 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 you almost said the first syllable of Piscataway there, I yeah. think. Um, no, they don't have that, fortunately. But it just kind of feels like, oh, the commercial's over. Look at that. and yeah. and
3: our friends to the
2: east. Yes. Anyways, we will indeed talk about a little bit on that game. But let's start with Michigan, Michigan State. And a, a lot of things have started. The radio replay of Inside Michigan Football started with... What we will eventually discuss, the aftermath, what happened in the tunnel. Let's start with what should have been the main storyline from the win on Saturday night. Michigan bringing Paul Bunyan back to Ann Arbor. Not the prettiest game at times, but Michigan a 22-point win over their rivals. Since then... After the rewatch, after Jansen Vision on the Inside Michigan Football TV show, what were your major takeaways from the performance?
3: A uh, very solid performance by the offense. Solid performance by JJ McCarthy. I mean, it was it was a very methodical performance, and I mentioned this in the post game. Blake Corum, an amazing performance, thirty three carries, a career high, one hundred seventy seven yards. And it was a very quiet 177 because his longest run was 17 yards. There was no, you know, like we saw against Indiana, you start the game off with a 50-yard run against Penn State. You had a 61, uh, you know, and there was never that explosive play. It was just always that constant water drip. And uh, when you have that, especially in a game like this, you are wearing down that other side, that the defensive line, the entire defense, and it – It's a backbreaker. So it's great to see them have that consistency. Um, And, you know, when we talk about JJ and the fact that it was a solid performance, he just hasn't had to go deep. And I think we all want to see that happen. We want some sizzle. We want some razzle-dazzle. But, uh, you know, in the the words of former offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis, it's not our job to beat ourselves. So what has worked through seven games – worked through the eighth and that is pounding the football to the two to 276 yards on the ground
2: yeah music to your ears there's no doubt now number two uh so let's talk about some of the issues in the red zone michigan stalling a few times against michigan state they have stalled a few times elsewhere in big 10 play uh, if the wolverines are to accomplish those other three goals you figure they're have they're going to have to be better at some of that stuff so how do they do that, and what have you seen slow Michigan down a little bit? Is it as simple as, hey, the field shrunk a little bit, or, or is there something specific you've noticed?
3: Well, things things shrink down in there. Um, it's like cold water to an offense. Things just shrink. And when you look at what they're trying to do, they're continually trying to get up inside the middle and with Blake Corm or Donovan Edwards. What I would like to see, what I think would help them is to attack the edges a little bit more with Blake Corum. One of the, the great assets that Blake has is his speed and his elusiveness. Get him into the open field. That would be a way to free things up a little bit. And I talked about this a number of times against Iowa, um, against Penn State, and more out in the middle of the field. But you can still spread things out when you get down there and make the picture very clear. Make the defense decide, are we going to load everything up on the middle to stop the run, or are we going to have to account for the talent that Michigan has at wide receiver and J.J.'s accuracy? If you could spread things out, especially when you get inside the 10, again, it becomes very clear, okay, we've got man coverage over here. We can run a pick route over here. Or we can just, hey, we want to run a fade route, sell somebody to go get it. That's an option. It's not my favorite, but it is an option if you're in man coverage. You also get to decide, okay, the defense has to decide, are we going to commit that extra guy in the box and stop the run? I think if you spread things out, it becomes very clear for the offensive line and you have a lot of one-on-one matchups. And I will take one-on-one matchups with this offensive line against any D-line in the country. So that's one way. When Michigan did get into the end zone, one, you know, twice with Blake Corum. once was a little shovel pass, I loved how they had Blake Horham lined up on the left a very tight formation. They moved him across the formation, lined up bump as a slot receiver on the right. And it gave you a chance to see, and they, they put a tight end out left, it, it gave you a chance, again, to see what the defense was going to do. How did they follow Blake across the formation? And in that, hey, you could just quick throw him the ball if they don't adjust. It, they they finally adjusted, but in doing so, they showed that they were in man. They brought Blake Corm back across the formation. They gave him a running start, and he hit the edge. And I don't know that there's a guy on that defense that was going to be able to keep up with the speed of, Blake, speed of Blake Corham. So that was a little bit of creativity, uh, again, they did enough to win the game, but as you mentioned, if they go to Columbus and they get seven trips inside the red zone and they come will come away with two touchdowns, that's not going to bode well for this offense. Totally. Uh, all right, number
2: three. Uh, let's talk about the elephant in the room before we start to look ahead. You've had some time to certainly listen to some of the comments. Jim Harbaugh was. Very emphatic during his weekly press conference. We heard a little bit from him during the radio replay here on MGO Blue Podcast. Uh, you you talked to other people around the program. Seventy two hours out or so, your perspective on what took place and and what must happen because of it in the tunnel.
3: Well, I mean, it's still kind of shock that that this happened after the game, and it's shocked because the tunnel has been in use for ninety five years. I have been up and down that tunnel hundreds of times, and as a player now in the media uh, in a a number of different roles, and I've never seen or heard anything like this. Have there been confrontations before, some shouting? Sure, but there's a big leap from shouting to then actually a fight, and it's disappointing. It's disgusting. There's a lot of different terms and, and words that you could use to describe it, And just like coach Harbaugh said, it's, this is a process of determining exactly what happened. There's enough footage. I know ABC has, you know, tunnel footage. Um, there's cell phone footage that everybody has seen on Twitter that we're going to be able to piece things together and find out exactly what happened, who is at fault and how much they're at fault. Um, I think the, the bigger question for us as a program is going to be, how do we prevent this from happening again? And it, it and th- that goes from it doesn't matter moving forward who was at fault this time. It's how do we prevent this from ever ever happening again? And those questions will be answered probably throughout the off season. Um, but they need to, it needs to be addressed.
2: Obviously, no easy way to transition from something like that. Uh, But we continue our seven from 77 with number four. Piscataway on Saturday night. Hey, how about that? Um, Yes. Uh, Of course, Michigan over the last couple of weeks locked in on the Spartans in terms of preparation. And really, they had an eye on Michigan State before that set. Yeah. One of their goals was to beat Michigan State. Now, what is key considering, not just the win, but also, to your point, what happened post-game? How do they put in a similar week of prep? Because it would be pretty easy, human nature, to maybe look a little differently at Rutgers versus the Spartans.
3: Well, there's four games left. And I mentioned this last week, it is a sprint to the end of the season. There's no time now for um, looking back to what happened against Penn State, what happened against Michigan State. It is strictly, there's four games left, and the players can start to see a light at the end of the tunnel. All of that work that goes into preparing for Colorado State, yeah, you know, you want to make sure you're ready for that game. You want to make sure you're ready for the, the Big Ten season opener. But the season seems so long, and, and the Big Ten championship game, Ohio State, seems so far away. But now it's right there, yeah. and they accomplished something that last year's team couldn't do. They couldn't get to 8-0. and Now Michigan is 8-0. and Michigan State is in their rearview mirror. Now it comes down to how do you handle Piscataway, how do you handle Nebraska? How do you handle Illinois? And then obviously the very last game of the year, the most important of all is Ohio State. But to make that Ohio State game mean what it's supposed to mean, you've got to take care of three tasks. That is Rutgers, it is Nebraska, and it's Illinois. So I don't I don't expect there to be any letdown. The players can see all of that. It's laid out for them. It is within a month calendar time that all of this is going to take place. So, their focus, and just like Ronnie Bell said, they're going to be where their feet are. Mm-hmm. That is exactly. And, and I think it's even more true after the game with everything that's gone on and people that are going to want to talk about this program and to talk about the tunnel and talk about what happened. Be where your feet are and make sure that you're focused in meetings, make sure you're focused in the weight room. Make sure you're focused about nutrition, your rest, your time away. And this is a team that has showed great focus, great leadership from their captains, and I expect them to be 100% ready to go uh, for the Scarlet Knights.
2: We'll have more on the Scarlet Knights during Friday's episode with Keys. Probably a must-win locker room that might be based more around critiquing the city than the team, but we shall see about hey, that.
3: I do, I do want to throw this out there, though, because uh, for those that that you know reach out to me on Twitter, Go ahead, reach out, at John Jansen 77 If there Shameless is plug. a decent, <laughs> and I mean decent, place in Piscataway to go for lunch on a relaxing Saturday afternoon. With some televisions. With some televisions, yes. But I, I'm, I'm more concerned about my tummy and making sure that I get some good food in a nice environment. Please let me know where that might be.
2: Well, as there are a number
3: of times I haven't found as any. you've done,
2: you've certainly endeared yourself to the Michigan alums who decided to move to Piscataway over the years. So I'm sure they will be uh, Everybody's able. Everybody's got to work. <laughs> All right, uh, we didn't really focus on the release of the 2023 schedule last week because, of course, it was Michigan and Michigan State week. But it did come out. Uh, just your takeaways from a schedule that has for a, another year four consecutive home games to start off the season East Carolina UNLV and Bowling Green not the most high-profile non-conference then Rutgers to start Big Ten play the other home games are Indiana Purdue and then of course the finale against Ohio State but the five road games I mean really outside of, of Maryland and Maryland's played better this year there's becoming more of a home field advantage for them at home, but Nebraska, Minnesota, Michigan State, Penn State, those are some really tough places to go, stadiums to experience. Uh, So some interesting ones there, your takeaways from what you saw for 2023.
3: Well, we will get a chance to go back to Nebraska, to Lincoln, Nebraska Memorial Stadium, and console all of those little children that left a year ago, with tears in their eyes, Um, and they still do. Uh, But, yeah, we'll get a chance to – I think that's a great trip. I love going to Lincoln, Nebraska. It's a great fan base, great town, Uh, and I'm really excited about the trip to Minnesota. Not because I really care to go to Minnesota, but the brown jug. It is a it is a trophy game. It is one that was played for so many years, and now we only get a few here and there. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun. Obviously, Jeff Brom will be coming to uh, to the big house, so that'll be fun. They're going to have themselves a new quarterback finally, and uh, it's I think it's the the schedule sets up real well. I love having the four home games to start off the season. Then you you know you basically alternate two at home, one on you know two on the road, one at home, one on the road to Michigan State, which that's going to be an interesting trip. Purdue home and then two more on the road. You got Ohio State. I think it's going to be a really quick season. Um, And the bye week, I think, will be interesting as well because much like this year where we had it and then it's a sprint for five games, next year it's going to, you know, it'll be this coming weekend. It'll be Halloween weekend. And then it's going to be a sprint for four games after that. Um, I really like it. Uh, And it's going to be an exciting, exciting
2: time. To your point on Minnesota, first time the Wolverines will play there in front of fans since 2015. We all remember that wild finish where Michigan got the goal line, stands some unique time management from Minnesota, and Purdue has not played at the Big House since 2011, which hopefully when USC and UCLA come into the Big Ten – and they get this schedule figured out, hopefully there are no more divisions and you can find a way because there's no reason you should be in a conference with a team that doesn't play at a certain – for 11 – it'll be 12 years yeah. at that point. It's, yeah. it's wild.
3: And, and just a side note, too, is the three non-conference games, and, and I'm not even talking about Michigan's because they're, they're not great again next year, but I would love to see the conference. When UCLA and USC come in to go to 10 league games – um, up it from nine now there's more value in in obviously the broadcasting which is probably the most important thing for these athletic departments right now, but there's more value and I understand the risk involved. You're playing against better teams, you're playing against conference opponents. And you expose yourself to more opportunities to lose, but you also expose the upside as well. And that is quality wins against conference opponents.
2: The only potential issue with that from a scheduling standpoint is if you do go to five, that means you'd have five home five road every year. If you were to try to do a home and home with a team in a power five league, you'd have to go there once and you'd have six home games. So it'd be six and six. I don't, know how feasible that is regularly yeah
3: to do it that way you can well, try to stop pis- using logic i'm I mean, sorry
2: i just want to make sure i'm just I-
3: looking out for what's best for michigan in the moment details are details so you only hey.
2: so so the headline here is john jansen only wants six home games at the big house got it
3: mm, i just want more conference okay. games are you in need of metal <laughs> If so, our friends at Alro Metal Outlet can help. Alro Metal Outlet makes buying metals and plastics fast and simple. Alro Metal Outlet retail stores are open to the public to walk in and shop. Their customers include machine shops, job shops, contractors, welders, hobbyists, artists, and do-it-yourselfers. Alro Metal Outlet offers saw cutting as well as shearing while you wait. Go visit them today at any of their Michigan locations, including Ann Arbor, livonia troy warren jackson lansing and kalamazoo you can learn more at alrow.com number six on our
2: seven from 77 big 10 storylines we talked about a little bit on the pregame ohio state winning at penn state 44 31 that was an absolutely absurd fourth quarter And now Ohio state's next three before the big one in Columbus at Northwestern home against Indiana at Maryland. They've got the easier of the roads compared to Michigan because Wolverines have Illinois who we'll talk about here in a second, but your thoughts on what you saw from Ohio state in that game and uh any upset specials for the Wildcats Hoosiers or Terps
3: uh I I don't really think so I think they're humming along at a pretty good pace I do think that they are a team that you can run the ball on um they haven't been great against the run uh you know in talking about Ohio State I think there's there's opportunity there now also with CJ Stroud he has not had the season that he had last year Um, They've been down their top receiver, Jackson Smith and Jigba. I I don't know when he'll be back, if he'll be back. If there's a chance he'll be back for Michigan, you better believe that's going to happen. So um, the only risk I see... um, As, you know, Indiana just lost another, their leading wide receiver, is really at Maryland. And they've been banged up a little bit as well. But they're the team, and we saw this, gosh, I can't remember how many years ago it was, four or five years ago, where... The game um, before, yeah. Yeah, the game right before... 2018. Before Michigan, where, you know, quite honestly, Ohio State should have lost. Not predicting that they will, but it is one of those games that is leading into Michigan that... They might drop their guard just a little bit, um, and thankfully for Michigan, the team that is leading into that Ohio State game should sharpen the blade because they are a ranked opponent, and that's the fighting Illini. Yeah, and
2: Illinois taking down Nebraska 26-9, to that was an important win in the West because Nebraska would have pulled even and had the tiebreaker over the Illini had they won. So the next two for Illinois, both home games, Michigan State and Purdue, if they win both of those, they will come to Ann Arbor with the West already clinched. So it's wild that we're at that point. You've said it for a while that that you thought Illinois was pretty darn good. And really, it's going to come down to that Purdue game. As long as Purdue can take care of business, that'll basically be not a, a West- championship game if Purdue wins it they'd have to win the next week but Illinois has a chance to clinch in mid-November the west which is wild
3: yeah and that just shows you how poor the west is and I don't want to take anything away from Illinois um, but they still have Illinois has been one of those programs where they do something to shoot themselves in the foot and could they drop one to Michigan State Sure. Sure. Could they drop one to Purdue? Absolutely. That's a rivalry game for them. So, um, I'm, I'm not going to say that they're going to be undefeated, but I do think, you know, they will be that team, not, not undefeated, but they lost to Indiana, but they will be that team that comes into the big house with absolutely nothing to lose. And that's a dangerous, dangerous team to have to play out uh
2: not a whole lot of intrigue this week uh is there a certain game or games that you'll be tracking michigan of course always keeping an eye on ohio state but they're going to northwestern they're like 38 point favorites in evanston northwestern hasn't won in the united states this season um so so uh anything in particular you're watching i think only one of the spreads is single digits this week
3: um, I mean, there's, there's not a whole lot to look at. Uh, you want to see, you know, obviously Penn state Purdue and, or Penn state and Indiana, um, that matchup. And, and it's really simply how well does that Penn state victory hold up? You know, when, when, when you sure. roll over Penn state with, you know, over 400 yards rushing it, did you just expose them? I think we did. How does it hold up? How do they play against Indiana? It's a common opponent. um, you know you look at uh, Maryland, Wisconsin, uh, and this is more an eye to the future. What does Jim Leonard? What is he doing yeah. to secure that job uh, in Madison? And um, other than that, there's really there, there's nothing that that intrigues you to say, well, this is something that to keep an eye on in, in, in regards to Michigan's destination. When the Big
2: Ten was negotiating those TV rights, they did not show them the uh, the November fifth slate and say, hey, here you go. Come on, give give us some TV time.
3: No, but it, but when you look at the traditional powers, oh sure, and, and no the doubt. draw. Okay, Minnesota not a huge draw, but they're playing Nebraska. That's Nebraska, oh, even yeah. though they're down, they're still a draw. It'll be a Fun environment. There. Yeah, it'll be a fun environment. Maryland is is a program that's up and coming, but they're playing at Wisconsin. I mean, this is this is a down year for a majority of the Big Ten but you still have some good brands and some that are, you know, as we mentioned, Illinois coming along. No doubt. All right. To number
2: seven on our seven from 77, uh, the other power five leagues, SEC, Georgia, and Tennessee both took care of business leading into what is uh, a one, two matchup in the AP poll. Full disclosure, we are recording this before the college football playoff initial poll comes out, but I, very good chance it could be one, two there as well. Uh, your thoughts on that one, Georgia, Tennessee, it's going to be a heck of an environment, 3.30. So that could be your appetizer leading into Michigan and Rutgers.
3: No, our, our appetizer at that point will be the Michigan pregame show, tailgate show, and everybody will be tuned in to that. But if you're not, if you have that playing in the background and you have the TV tuned to Georgia and Tennessee, um, it's going to be interesting, and Georgia has been a team that hasn't felt completely focused all year, and maybe it's because they just haven't had to be. You know, I mean, they had that, the, the week one they did Oregon, they dominated. Sure, yeah, yeah, but then you know, okay, they they weren't that focused against Missouri. Sure. They, you know, there have been times where you you just look at them and say, okay, they're winning, but they're not necessarily the Georgia of last year. They may actually have more talent, but they may not be as good of a team. Tennessee this is going to be the Tennessee. Are they for real? Right. It was, we saw Texas A&M last year beat Alabama, but Texas A&M wasn't for real. That was a one off Tennessee beats Alabama. Now, if they can knock off the defending national champs in Georgia, now all of a sudden everybody goes, holy cow, Tennessee is for real. So I think there's going to be a lot of eyeballs, obviously on that game. It's going to be fun to watch. And, I mean, one thing go- I want to say about that, though,
2: I, I don't know who said this, but I heard the comparison that this for Tennessee is similar to remember the national championship LSU team that went to Alabama. It was a great game back and forth, but LSU always had that step ahead of Alabama. Bama, I think, was favored, but and LSU had to prove it, right? It'd been years since they'd beaten Alabama. This kind of feels like that for Tennessee, because if you watch these games, I think Tennessee has played better this season than Georgia, but Georgia, I think, has more talent. And if I had to, if I had to pick, I'd still pick Georgia. And I think that's how a lot of people were in twenty what was it nineteen yep. with LSU. Hey, show me, make me believe, and yep. this is Tennessee's chance.
3: It, it is, and and here's the other thing too is Georgia has more experience in in playing and winning big games. So uh, it's going to be interesting. Plus, hey, that game is in Athens.
2: Yeah. Also, speaking of Bama and LSU, LSU's kind of flown under the radar. They are 4-1 in the SEC. Alabama's 4-1 in the SEC, so is Ole Miss. It's Bama at LSU this weekend. The winner will basically play Ole Miss for the West – do you give LSU a chance here?
3: Uh, I do, it, just in terms of you know what they've got some momentum, they've got some belief, they've got some young guys, they've got some some you know transfers that hey anything can happen on a given Saturday. Um, but I mean, let's not forget that. And I, I mean, I did say this when Alabama and Tennessee played. Alabama still has Nick Saban, and he knows. The, the fact that if if they don't win this game, they're certainly removed from any discussion of the college football playoffs. 100%.
2: ACC, uh, with Clemson off, we saw how mediocre this league was. The two top candidates to be a potential New Year's Six at large if Clemson goes to the playoff. Wake Forest, they lose 48-21 to Louisville. And then Syracuse, who played really well at Clemson the previous week, Loses 41-24 to Notre Dame. So it's Clemson at Notre Dame this weekend. Irish coming off a big win. Speaking of spreads, I think it was like four or three and a half for Clemson. Give me your pick on that one because that is a game that is massive for the college football playoff conversation.
3: Well, it certainly is. And, I mean, let's just go back in a, a couple of weeks when Clemson and Syracuse played. All right, Syracuse had them on the ropes. Now, a lot of that is what Clemson did to themselves. But, you know, Syracuse then goes and gets blown out by Notre Dame. You know, and if the transitive properties hold true, as they always do, Notre Dame and Clemson, uh, I, and I'm just going to pick this one because it would benefit Michigan, um, I'm going to be pulling for Notre Dame, yeah. obviously, to, oh, to yeah, beat on for Clemson. Sure. So it, it's... It's going to be very interesting, and, and the fact that it is in South Bend is is a factor. This is a chance for Marcus Freeman to kind of flip the, the
2: momentum for the mm-hmm. program. Stabilize him. Yeah, things. no doubt. Big 12, TCU still unbeaten. They win at West Virginia 41-31, getting Texas Tech coming up this Saturday. Maybe the most eye-opening score of the weekend. Again, a little under the radar because it, it doesn't have a lot of implications In the playoff conversation, but Kansas State beat Oklahoma State forty-eight to nothing. That was basically an elimination game in the Big Twelve, and K State just walloped them. That's really the only team that can probably catch TCU, but they're going to need TCU to lose twice. Your impressions of that? Does is it TCU running away with this thing in your eyes?
3: Well, the Big Twelve is just one of those conferences where they kind of, unless it's been Oklahoma. They do something to stub their own toe. Yeah. I'm still not a believer that TCU is going to finish the season un- undefeated. Uh, they're playing as good as anybody really in the country right now. I just don't know that they are going to do it consistently.
2: Yeah, the Big 12, over the years, give them credit, the bottom of the Big 12 has been as good as the bottom of any other yeah. Power 5 league, and that's been the case this season as well. Though Kansas might not go bowling. Kansas might have gotten game day and then still might go five and seven. So how about that? Uh, Pac-12 contenders all won. All our double-digit favorites this weekend, Oregon, Utah, UCLA, and USC, they're all in the top 15-ish, depending on what poll you look at. I I just, case in point with the Big 12, I don't know who can realistically, um, Utah might be the best team in that league, but they've already lost twice overall.
3: It really is going to come down to when the College Football Playoff Committee does come out with their rankings, how much do they hold Oregon's first game against them? That 49-3 loss to Georgia is brutal, but it was a long time ago. And we'll see You know when those – and again, we're, we're recording this before they come out, but it'll be interesting. That's going to be one of the things that we're going to be talking about is where is the Pac-12 in Oregon – whereas the Big 12 in TCU in the minds of the College Football Playoff Committee.
2: So again, we are recording this before the playoff rankings. Uh, Anything that you hope to see in all of this, uh, do you expect the top four to be some collection of Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia, Tennessee?
3: Uh, Yeah, I expect, boy, uh, when you think about it, um, you know, it's it's going to be interesting. I expect my prediction is going to be Georgia will be one, Tennessee will be two, Ohio State three, Michigan four. Okay.
2: Clemson's probably the only team that might be able to crack into that, but I, I just, the way Michigan dominated its its big games to this point, I don't think Clemson can claim that.
3: No, and, and the way that Clemson struggled with Syracuse, I think will play a factor in it. Yeah, no doubt. All right, let's
2: get into our conversation Mason Graham, someone I spoke with a few weeks back for the for the radio show, and I, tough not to come away impressed. Seems like it is a he is a true freshman, but nothing has really phased him. He expected to have the success that he's had, but he didn't assume it. He put in the work uh, I know you're excited to share this conversation with the fans.
3: I am. I've watched this, this young man in just our brief time, his brief time here at Michigan, grow. Yep. And we talked about him at the spring game. Uh, Coach Elston on Monday night talked about how that advantage of being an early enrollee, getting on campus, having those spring practices and the spring game and the off-season program, how much has benefited him, but also just his mindset, coming into uh, fall camp, and the fact that he earned a starting spot the fact that he has earned so much time in the rotation is impressive anytime you're talking about a freshman o-line or d-line getting that time it is it is an impressive feat so please enjoy the conversation i'm gonna have with mason graham let's jump into pepper's world of play look for spring flowers hunt for muddy puddles,
2: and bravely explore exciting places with Pepper play sets. Pepper
1: Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.
3: Well, as promised, I'm joined by Mason Graham, freshman defensive tackle. And uh, Mason, thanks for joining me. What's your freshman year been like so far?
1: It's been pretty good. Just getting used to... We got the preseason out of the way, and now we're going into the Big Ten. We're pretty deep in now. So just getting used to that and preparing for every opponent that we play.
3: I know that it, I mean, when we talk normally to freshmen, this is their first experience. You were an early enrollee, and I talked to Coach Elston earlier in the week, and he talked about the fact that that was a huge advantage. What did you gain? By having those 15 practices, but also, hey, you get an introduction to school. You get the rhythm of the college life. How has that helped you now going into the football season?
1: Yeah, it was huge for sure. Uh, first off, just getting adapted with all the strength coaches and the all the positional coaches and staff involved. Um, getting in the spring ball, getting uh, a lot of reps there, learning the playbook and the defense, and just getting to know all the guys and stuff like that and bond with the team fast to get ready for season.
3: What's been the biggest difference for you? Because you went to Servite high, high School. You play a very tough high school schedule against a lot of guys that you're going to face in, in the Power Five conferences. What's the been the biggest challenge, the biggest difference from you, from your high school playing time to now here at Michigan?
1: Yeah, I mean, where I played in high school is, uh, so called the best league in the country for high school football and the best area of playing. So it was very good competition out of high school. So um, it's obviously a big change still from high school to college. Um, but I felt like I've adapted pretty well and just gotten used to after I've taken so many reps uh, going against the best line in the country at, here at Michigan. So that's helped me. So.
3: When you're in that D line room, obviously you got some veteran guys around you, Mozzie Smith, Chris Jenkins, uh, Mike Morris, and what's it been like to be in the meeting rooms with them and, and just watch how they work and learn how they prepare?
1: Yeah, they have a lot of knowledge to give. Uh they've been here for a while, played a lot of snaps, but uh I just see them as like another like like a mentor kind of uh like in the film room, we'll be watching something and coach Usman will make coaching points and stuff like that and say like Mozzie or Chris will say something else like on top of it, um, just like add on and give us some more knowledge within the game.
3: You're you're on obviously in the meetings rooms with them, but then when you're on the field, especially during games, how much of an advantage is it or how much do you lean on those guys to I know you know what you're doing, but the experience and when you look at those guys, how much have they helped you just in the in the play in play out of during the games?
1: Yeah, I mean just being on the field with them, it makes me more confident knowing that the guys next to me are doing their taking care of their job. So like I don't have to worry about what they're doing, like I just know they're going to take care of their business. So I'm just focused on my play and what my assignment is. Really,
3: have you had one of those moments as a freshman, either you know running out of the tunnel or playing against an opponent, where it's kind of that eye opening moment where you're like, "Holy cow! I'm this is really happening. I'm here and 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 I'm playing as a freshman." Have you had one of those moments?
1: Uh, probably, uh, maybe that first game or. Maybe our first away game at Iowa was pretty cool. Just seeing the road game atmosphere, um, and I had a sack that game, which was my first like full sack, not like half sack. So that was pretty cool. That was eye opening game for sure.
3: When you were growing up, did you always have the goal of playing college football? And and if so, what was what was the team? That you followed the most. Obviously, USC is right in your backyard. UCLA is right there. Um, But is this always something you wanted to do?
1: Yeah, it's for sure always something I want to do. Um, To me, like when I was growing up, I would always just want to play as many sports as I can to see which one I really like. So I've done like all the sports basically growing up. So, and then, uh, yeah, I haven't really, I didn't really like keeping an eye on anyone. I just watched college football all the time, but no one really like. I was I didn't have like a favorite team or whatever, so I'll just open to anything.
3: I know you were a wrestler in in high school, and you know, I know you played a lot of sports. But how has wrestling and understanding how your body moves, how how you can move others, how has it helped you in you know in, in your football career?
1: Yeah, wrestling is a. Uh... Big thing that I think plays a role in my game. Um, My high school coach, uh, he really pushed me to, because at first I didn't really want to do wrestling. Um, He really pushed me to get into it because he knew the benefits of it because he's had players before that have done it and benefited from it. So, yeah, I feel like that's a big part, because especially for offensive and defensive linemen, uh, you're going against another person, uh, a heavy person, and just be able to leverage them, so I feel like that's a big part. Uh,
3: if if not for those two sports, what was your other favorite? What was the what was the third favorite sport that you had?
1: Uh, probably uh rugby, rugby or basketball. I don't
3: know. <laughs> okay, have uh, have you guys? Uh, I know that we got the uh, the basketball court there in Shenbeckler Hall. Have you uh, picked it up and gone one on one with anyone?
1: Uh, not one on one. We just played like a little. Like shooting games around there, shot the ball around. Nothing like one on one serious stuff. Who's the best? Uh, out of like the, yeah. out of the,
3: we'll just say out of the D line.
1: I only know Mike Mo's a pretty good shooter. Uh, I don't really know anyone else. For real.
3: When you look at the rest of the schedule, obviously you guys are focused on Rutgers, and you take into account what you've done for eight games. What is it? that you want to keep working on during your freshman season, whether it's a technique or uh, just a play call? What is it that you're trying to continue to get better at as you look at the last four games?
1: Probably just continuing to uh, develop my technique and destroy blocks more frequently uh, and be more like dominant on the run game. But, yeah, that's probably the one thing I'd pick block destruction basically
3: what's the the biggest what's been the biggest challenge for you
1: uh i don't really i don't know what the biggest challenge is but um maybe like when i was when i was first getting reps i was a little nervous but i feel like now i'm trying to i'm starting to like settle in and as i get more and more reps i'm getting more comfortable on the field so maybe that was the biggest challenge just getting the nerves out basically
3: How's it been for you as a freshman? Like we mentioned, I know you were early enrollee, but, I mean, you're you're all the way across the country, away from your family. How have you adjusted? What have you leaned on to help you adjust?
1: Um, I mean, I've just leaned on the other guys, really, that came in with me because many of the other guys have come from, like, warmer areas or um, haven't been used to, like, this type of weather. But just to know that I'm doing it with, like, everyone else, uh, that is adapting too is like kind of like motivating, uh, but yeah.
3: So I, I might actually then throw out there maybe the weather has been one of the bigger challenges for you. What's uh, obviously coming from Southern California where it's uh, it's sunshine and and warmth, three hundred sixty five days a year. What's uh, what's the coldest game that you've played in uh, in your life?
1: Um, before I got here, yeah, probably like. 60 degrees (laughs) 55 degrees
3: are you all geared up ready for winter
1: yeah yeah for
3: sure all right mason hey uh best of luck this weekend against rutgers and uh i look forward to talking to you again soon
1: yeah thank you appreciate you reaching out
3: Well, thanks to Mason Graham for his time. Uh, we always appreciate it. We know, as I've mentioned, it is a sprint to the finish. A lot of time in the film room, a lot of time on the field, uh, and we know that it is uh, very valuable for us to be able to get just a few minutes with these guys. We thank you for listening, and uh, we will talk to you on Friday. Don't forget to download our keys to the game, as well as a little bit of a locker room speech and maybe a preview of what to expect if you're triv- traveling to Piscataway. We'll talk to you next time on In the Trenches. Thanks for listening to this edition of In the Trenches with John Jansen, presented by Meyer, presenting sponsor of the 2022 Michigan football season and proud supporter of hundreds of local sports teams across the Midwest. In the Trenches is part of our Michigan Athletics Podcast Network, MGo Blue Podcasts. The preceding is a Learfield presentation of the Michigan Sports Network.